As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here with you as always on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going to get into another series of debates. We've got one me versus Jake, one Funston versus Jake, and one me versus Funston. The three debates we are talking about today, James Conner versus Leonard Fournette, Gabriel Davis versus Cortland Sutton, and DK Metcalf versus Brandon Cooks. Before we get to those, let me welcome on those trusty co-hosts of mine and Brandon Funston. One thing I love about working at The Athletic is we have all this great beat writer talent right here on our roster. I have to imagine that you read Nate Taylor's glowing review, glowing profile of Clyde Edwards-Alaire ready for season number three, and I can only assume you're ready to uh, reverse tack on what you were saying about CEH in our previous episode. (laughs) I will admit I read the headline. Uh, I did not (laughs) read the – but I did know he wrote a column about Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, I rolled my eyes and said, oh, here we go. The third season of overhyping CEH has begun. So, uh, no, I have I am unwavering in my opinion on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Hey, you know what? I, I can think it's right. I can think it's wrong. But courage of your convictions is sort of the number one thing I think we need in the fantasy football world. So I'm very happy to see that. A man who always has the courage of his convictions, unless it is Jalen Hurts as QB2. Jake Seeley, what's going on, man? Oh, yeah, I mean, I say we could be right and wrong. I'll see if you not go 0 for 3 this time, Beller. Come on. You're going to pick it oh, up. Oh, well, first the, of all, first of all, it's over vote. 2. It's over 2, first of all. I'm only in 2 of the 3 debates. No, just but like you were you, on the like side Funston. of you were side of Funston in the other one. So you're 0 for 3 well, because they took No, no, I wasn't. I was on your side. It was Rodgers and Deck. Oh, no, you were on I my, was. Yeah, you were on Deck's side. <laughs> you were on his side yeah, arguing for the same thing. You took true. his side. Go. Okay, but you know, say 0 for 2. I was 2 for 0. Funston went 1 and 1. We can see 2 for 0. That makes a lot of sense. 2 for 0. Well, listen. Bella, Divide by zero. We, we are we are hopeless against the Sealy Twitter army. I mean, oh we my just, God. no, I didn't touch it. I I retweeted after the final results were done. <laughs> yes, because nobody who follows you follows the athletic fantasy football. Uh, the athletic, the athletic oh, fantasy that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna say uh, that's what <laughs> yeah. it is. That's your that's your cop out. <laughs> it's that ridiculous Sealy Twitter army. They just follow them everywhere. 
They're all wearing <laughs> they're all wearing you know band kicker shirts. Here, I'll see. I'll see if we can get. Great we can see if we can get me losing one, and then I'll wait till the last hour and retweet it and see if it <laughs> pushes it to the other side. Oh, I think right, we actually, should force you to like defend someone egregiously, you know, below the other person, <laughs> and see if it still if it still goes. Just in your sneak favor. one of those in. Sneak one of those. Jonathan in. Taylor versus like uh, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly uh, Chase Walker. Edmonds. sneak one of those in these feature episodes and see how powerful that army is we got to get to our three debates here so let's get in the first one is going to be me against funston so jake you take a back seat you can get in on this uh, after we say our piece it is james connor against leonard fournette and i'm going to make sure that each of us goes first once in this so funston why don't you take uh, take this one first you are on the side of james connor i am on the side of leonard fournette so let's hear why you are taking connor over fournette when push comes to shove yeah, I think this is a great debate because they're, you know, they're really similarly ranked for a lot of people, similar players in that they're both really, I think they're both 27 years old, kind of at a similar point in their careers. Um, I just like James Conner. Look, at you guys like James Conner. Um, I was leaning a little bit Chase Edmonds last year, mm-hmm. uh, but Chase Edmonds went down and James Conner took off, and that's that's what I really like. Uh, you look at the seven games in the second half, right after Chase Edmonds went down, James Conner just basically took over that passing game role, had 32 catches in seven games. You extrapolate that over a full season, it's it's pushing 70 catches. And uh, you look at his metrics in terms of catching the ball, 10-plus 10, 10 yards per catch, um, only 13 players in the last five years at the running back position have done that with thir- with at least 30 catches. He had zero drops last year. Leonard Fournette had seven. I mean, they bring a, a similar games to the table, but Leonard Fournette was not great in, in the passing game, even though he had a lot of catches. Six-some yards per catch. It was like three and a half yards less than James Conner. And it, I think it was revealing that Tampa went out and made kind of a priority pick with Rashawn White. What does he do? Rashawn White, what does he do well uh, I think he's a better runner than a lot of people give him credit for. I think he's a true three down back, but at the very minimum, he is an outstanding receiver. Um, so would not be surprised if we see Fournette's passing game role minimized a bit. James Conner on, on the ground, like 16 carries inside the five yard line. That was second best to Jonathan Taylor. He cashed in 10 touchdowns on those 16 carries. You go back the previous year, Kenyon Drake had 10 rushing touchdowns in this offense. This offense has done very well Your at setting up stat. the running. Yeah. This <laughs> offense has done very well the last couple of years of setting up the running backs for touchdowns. There's a lot of a lot of touches inside, you know, in that point blank range. So uh really I just I'm worried a lot about Rashad White as mm-hmm. a spectator. Otherwise, I think they're fairly even. And it was like in half PPR last year, James Conner, 15.9 points per game, Leonard Fournette, 15.8 per, points per game. So if, you, if everything just kind of rolls the way it was, I mean, I, I think it's a pick em. I just think Rashad White's a specter that Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, managers have to be worried about. And I think that's fair, and and that's really where the concern is for me because Leonard Fournette got so much out of the passing game last season. 69 catches, 454 yards, and two touchdowns. And he's going to need that. If he's going to beat James Conner this year, he's going to need to have maybe not exactly the same, but he's going to need to have a meaningful role in the Tampa passing game the way that he did last year. And Rashad White definitely can be a player who takes some of that off his plate. So I would be foolish to say that that is not something of a concern coming into this season. But for me, this is all about infrastructure. Give me Tom Brady over Kyler Murray. Give me the Bucks offense over the Cardinals offense. Give me the Bucks offensive line over the Cardinals offensive line. And so much of what Tampa does is in structure. So much of what Leonard Fournette was able to do in the passing game last year 
was not because he's some great receiver or some great, you know, yards after catch receiver. It's because, you know, you swing a ball out in the flat to him and there's six yards of grass in front of him and he's just got all this room to run and all this room to operate. And it's because of the way Tampa pushes the ball down the field. I will also admit up front that part of this is, um, part of that comes from Mike Evans being able to work the deep and Chris Godwin being able to work the middle, and we don't know when Chris Godwin is going to be back working the middle for Tampa this season, so maybe some of that infrastructure is hurt at the beginning of the year, but also maybe it's not. We know we're going to get it back at some point. Either way, I think Leonard Fournette's role as this team's primary runner is unchallenged, and what did he do last year? 812 yards and eight touchdowns on 180 carries. I think he can copy and paste that over to this season. Even if Rashad White does ding him a little bit in the passing game, Leonard Fournette has proven himself both in Jacksonville and Tampa to be an adept member of an effective passing attack. So I don't think it's like he suddenly loses that. He's not suddenly becoming a run-only guy. He's going to have some sort of role in the passing game, and I would still expect it to be on the meteor end of things. Ultimately, as I said, I am betting on Tampa's offense over Arizona's offense here. This is a fair debate. I don't think you're crazy for wanting James Conner over Leonard Fournette. But for me, when it's this close, I'm going to bet on the offense I believe in more. And so that's why I go Leonard Fournette ever so slightly over James Conner. My question to you, Funston, you're actually among certainly this show, and I would be willing to bet in the industry, one of the lowest on Kyler Murray. So uh, how do you square not liking Kyler Murray and what that says for Arizona's offense potentially and liking James Conner? Well, I, I look, I mean, we, we say that when you rank like two wide receivers in the top 15 on the same team, you can't, you know, like in the case of Tua, you can't put Tua too low because of that. You cannot like a quarterback and still expect that the running back can do just fine. Uh, and and what I don't like about Kyler Murray is that I think he's going to start running less, which um, which we've seen, and only just kind of lends itself into James Conner's hands. Um, and his injury potential. Someone else comes in, probably more leaning on the on the running back, and and the fact that he fades a little bit down the stretch. I look at. I mean, I I think we can see basically this similar. Things for Kyler Murray that we saw last year play out, and it didn't hurt James Conner at all. He was RB6. So uh, I'm not too worried about, you know, the upside of Kyler Murray being tied to the upside of James Conner. What I will say to you for my question back at you, and I love that we've talked for a few minutes and haven't even brought this up. Are you a little bit worried that Tampa might consider switching Leonard Fournette to the offensive line? I mean, we haven't we haven't even talked about the fact that he's like thirty pounds over playing weight. He was pushing Rob Gronkowski weight as reportedly uh, of, of late. So are we getting a little complacent with our spot behind uh, the great Tommy Tommy uh, there in the in the Tampa offense? Like, no one wants to show up to work significantly overweight, especially someone who makes their living with their body. But if there is a, a class of person who I am confident that can get in shape once they are in the right setting, it is a 27-year-old professional athlete. So, you know, whatever. He's, 200, <laughs> he's reportedly 260 pounds uh, when he shows up. Big deal. This is a guy who uh, has lived his entire life in extremely good shape, is 27 years old, is always going to be able to get right back into that same shape. I have no concerns that we're going to see uh, the Leonard Fournette at uh, at game weight, at playing weight, uh, the way that we did last year. So uh, if that's going to discount him a little bit, I am happy to take that. I hope that we hear more stories about you know Fat Lenny and all that and blah, blah, blah. Because <laughs> Well, you said big is... deal. The operative term there is big, for sure. Hey, you know, the operative term there maybe is deal, actually, because... Because this guy uh, is going to have, I think, still a huge role in this Tampa offense. And again, as I said earlier, I am betting on the Tampa offense more so than Fournette. 
uh, rather than, you know, or I'm betting on the Tampa offense over the Arizona offense is a better way to say that rather than necessarily Fournette over Connor here. Jake, your two cents on Fournette versus Connor. What do you got? Two cents. I mean, you gave me like 50 cents worth of stuff to unpack over here. But first, I'll say <laughs> this is the overweight. Uh, twofold there there's two cents i'll give you one is why do we laugh at best shape ever but then get all worried when somebody's fat and i'm not saying funston is saying that or whatever Boom. but also mm-hmm. leonard Fournette. oh guess what there was this guy that was six foot 255 which is what leonard Fournette's kind of hovering at right now Legarrette blunton scored 18 touchdowns in tom brady's offense i don't care about the weight but i also don't care about the fact he's going to slim down anyway we do this all the time my concern is kind of what you said is i don't think there's a big difference in these players in any aspect of where their reliance is in rushing touchdowns, their similar passing game work. Uh, you made the argument where I immediately agree with you, offense over offense. I'm going to trust the one with Tom Brady versus the Kyler Murray offense. But what it comes down to as well is the average conversion rate on a goal-to-go rush is 30%. Last year, Connor was at 42 To give you an idea, Jonathan Taylor was 33 last year. Leonard Fournette was actually at 25. So if we have regressions going both ways, I'm not saying they can't both repeat and be 40 and 25 again. That's certainly within the likelihood. I'm just saying regression points to them coming back closer together. And in that case, I'm going to shy away from James Conner having a ridiculous rate again. And the other part of it, too, is why Funston's partly down on Kyler Murray is, did you know every single rushing touchdown for Kyler Murray came with DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup? He has a different running style and different running, especially, strangely enough, in goal-to-go situations when Hopkins is out there with him, who wasn't out there for a lot of what James Conner did for the end of the season. So it's a very close. I have Conner three spots behind Leonard Fournette, but I have Leonard Fournette. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Debate number two is going to be me and Jake. It's going to move us to the wide receiver position. It is going to be Jake and Gabriel Davis against me and Cortland Sutton. Since I've already had one of my debates and I went second, this is my turn. No, you go first. To- I got three yeah, podcasts no, yesterday, today, three podcasts today. My throat's already. I need. I need a break. Oh, so you were going to say you were going to go first anyway? Yeah, thanks. I said I was going to go first, <laughs> uh, but here we go. Hey, me first. hey, Beller, you can go first. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, I'm so prepared for this. Here we go. Cortland Sutton over Gabriel Davis. This is why I believe it. DK Metcalf in 46 games with Russell Wilson put up 1.63 fantasy points per target. We are talking half PPR leagues. Tyler Lockett played 108 games with Russell Wilson as his quarterback. 1.78 points per target in those 108 games. To give you a scale of where that stands last year, the ridiculous year that Cooper Cup put up, he was north of 1.9 yards per tar- or points per target. Excuse me. No one expects anyone's going to do that. But Devontae Adams? 
1.67 points per target. Justin Jefferson, 1.65 yards per target, right in between what DK did with Russ and what Tyler Lockett did with Russ. Now, of course, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, they put up monster target numbers, so that drives them to higher uh, totals and, admittedly, reduces the efficiency a little bit. But... Cortland Sutton, I think, is suited to be the DK Metcalf in Denver's offense with Russell Wilson. And someone in this offense, you just look back over Russell Wilson's career, always been on a defense-forward team, more often than not has played on a run-first sort of team. So I don't really worry about that with Russell Wilson in Denver. He can be wildly efficient. He makes his receivers wildly efficient. Someone in this Denver offense, and I think it's going to be Cortland Sutton, is going to exceed expectations in an extremely meaningful way you look at what DK was always able to do you look at what Tyler Lockett was always able to do someone's doing that for Denver this year I think the smart money is on Cortland Sutton if you think the smart money on Jerry Judy that's a different discussion for me it's on Sutton I'm comfortable giving him a pass on the down year of 2021 given the quarterback play he had he's not going to have that this year he's going to have extremely good quarterback play I think uh, Cortland Sutton ends the year as more of a 20-ish receiver, and we're drafting him as 27, 28. I'll take that discount all day, and I'll take him slightly over Gabriel Davis. Yeah, so I like how you pick the guys that are back-to-back for me, so you know how tough it's going to be. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough, <laughs> tough draft day decision. No, yeah, I mean, exactly. like, it's even widen the gap on the argument here, but if, where I'll say for Gabriel Davis is already had quite a good uh, yards per route run last year, which is a little bit more telling. That the, What you're talking about, yards per target, is also telling, but yards per route run is even more telling that, hey, Go over to The Athletic today and check out the article, What Metrics Matter for Wide Receiver and Tight End. You'll be surprised. So (laughs) Gabriel Davis last year, it's funny. I'm glad you included DK Metcalf and talking about the Seahawks here because the pushback I see in Gabriel Davis is, well, look at the touchdown rate. Look at all the touchdowns he caught for only having 63 targets and 35 receptions, and he caught three touchdowns or six touchdowns. And like, this is the same argument we make for Tyler Lockett, for Adam Thielen, and like, there's certain guys who are in position, and when the quarterback has that rapport for said position, they go to him. That's Gabriel Davis sharing with Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox catching nine touchdowns last year. And that's, again, 63. Now Gabriel Davis is stepping into the number two role clearly defined for him. Number three is going to be Jameson Crowder, who they brought in, although is Jameson Crowder going to play 17 games. But that being said, is he's the number two in an offense where we make an argument for number twos across the league. And the Mm -hmm. fact that Allen Robinson with the Rams, as we've referenced on this show, uh, your own argument for this team, whether Sutton, Judy or whatever, and not to already come against your player. But the difference here for me is I know Gabriel Davis is the number two. Sure. He's not the number one. What if Cortland Sutton's the number two? What if it's so flat that it's Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, Tim Patrick, all spread out evenly and this team stays a little bit run heavy like it was last year because they brought back Melvin Gordon. So again, you're talking about my 26th and 27th player. The -hmm. difference is negligible. We're talking about not even 50 more yards and one more touchdown for Gabriel Davis. But I just have more confidence in knowing Gabriel Davis is Josh Allen's number two who is the best fantasy quarterback out there, even one of the best in the passing, take out the rushing. We know it's going to be great for Gabriel Davis. So you give me 120 targets, 110 targets for Gabriel Davis. I think similar targets slightly edges out Sutton. And I think even the downside, there could be a 20-target gap for Davis to Sutton if things go wrong with Denver. So that's my question back to you, Beller, is what's your confidence level that it's Sutton, Judy, Patrick, and not all of a sudden Sutton's the number three, given how things might shake out there. 
my confidence level basically rests on two things. Number one is that it just it feels as though um, you know if anyone's going to be DK Metcalf for Russell Wilson here in Denver, it, it almost has to be Cortland Sutton, and that's a little bit of speculation on my part. I admit that, but if you just compare playing styles and all that across the board, he feels the most DKE out of anyone who is in Denver. <laughs> and then number two, what I come back to is you just look at DKE, right? DKE, there you go. It's perfect. His name's Dekalen. It's almost like we could have thrown it in there. Um, I come back to what these guys have done over their respective careers. And, you know, Jerry Judy still sort of just a theory right now. I mean, we, we love the talent. We have every reason to believe he should have a good season with Russell Wilson as his quarterback, but it's still just a theory. We haven't really seen it from him uh, in the NFL. Tim Patrick has always been a nice supporting player, but never anyone uh, who teams are game planning for. Cortland Sutton, meanwhile, has had the big season. You go back a couple of years, 72 grabs, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. He's had that wide receiver one season, and it probably wasn't a wide receiver one season in the fantasy world, but that's what a, an NFL team would game plan for as a wide receiver one. We've seen that from Cortland Sutton. And so I rest on that. I'm not going to sit here and say it's it's totally locked down, no question about it. You can't argue mm-hmm. against Cortland Sutton. But I feel good. I feel confident enough that he is the number one in a Russell Wilson-led offense, and that typically leads to top twenty, if not better, receivers or numbers for a wide receiver. So that's why I feel confident that Cortland Sutton is the number one guy here. I come back to you with this. I'm not going to argue against Gabriel Davis. You are absolutely right. Unquestionably, the number two in Buffalo. That should be great. So I'm really not going to argue against that. I guess my question to you is similar to what you asked to me. Basically. What are your projections for Russell Wilson in this Denver offense, and how does that shake out among these receivers? Well, so uh, there's two things at play here that when you asked Russell Wilson, which I'm glad is so uh, last year Sutton fell just short of 100 uh, targets last year. Mm -hmm. Ten more fantasy points, ten more fantasy points than Gabriel Davis on 30 more targets. So this is where if you disagree with me and you're on Beller's side, it could be wrong. I have them both for about 110 targets this year. I have Russell Wilson throwing 579 times. I have Josh Allen throwing 650 times. That's a big difference. If you think Russell Wilson gets to 600 and even with the share that I have, Sutton stays flat, well, that would give Sutton another 10 to 15 targets. So it comes down to what I said back when we started this is that I think it's still going to be run not run heavy, but run balanced is probably a good mm-hmm. word for this team. It's fair. And that falls short of 600 attempts for Russell Wilson. And again, I go back to, I have it, I do have Sutton for close to a 20% target share, but I have it very flatter than I, or more flat than I do have the Davis situation from across. And I, again, I go back to Davis at 63 last year. If they both get to 110, that's almost a 50 jump for him. And it's only a 10 target jump for Sutton. So that's where it comes down to for me. All right, Mr. Funston, what's your take on uh, Gabriel Davis versus Cortland Sutton? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with with I'm not with Jake as far as the debate side of things because I have Sutton ranked 22 at wide receiver. I have Gabe Davis ranked 23. I, I think <laughs> what leans it uh, for me towards Sutton is I think what you said about him potentially being the number one there is is in play, um, where it's very obvious that Gabe Davis is a you know is a distant number two in Buffalo, and I think where Gabe Davis could actually maybe win out in terms of overall fantasy points at the end of the year, I don't expect it to be quite as smooth a ride as Cortland Sutton. And I put some value in that, that there might be a little bit more week 
week-to-week reliability, where we've seen with Gabe Davis, like, you can have these massive games, and now he's going to have a bigger role, but I still expect that maybe we'll see some peaks and valleys that uh, Cortland Sutton in a Russell Wilson offense won't necessarily show. And if, if he scores a little... Cortland Sutton ends up scoring a little bit less, but he delivers a more even line across the board throughout the year. Uh, you know, I'm probably leaning that way uh, than the Gabe Davis, a little bit of, you know, more volatile, volatile uh, potential there. So Funston, you have him back to back, reverse mine, mine are back to back. So it's somewhat of a negligible difference, but does almost, it's about a three fourths of a round difference in ADP. Gabe Davis is cheaper, but again, it's not even a full round. Would that come into your conversation at all? Yes. Is, that, is that not important? Yes, because I think I think I'm more likely to get Gabe Davis in a draft than I would Corland Sutton because I think there's more people in on. You Cor- could end up with both. Yeah, you could, but I wouldn't usually. I don't. The way I draft, I don't typically. I'm not typically going back to back at that point. With eh, you never know. Uh, I just think there's more people in on the Cortland Sutton ADP where it's kind of you know it's kind of solidified. Whereas there's there's more people that are kind of slow to the take on Gabe Davis being a legit wide receiver two option. Where if that's the case, I'm willing to take that discount because he maybe he falls to 25 or later at wide receiver. His range is wider than Sutton's yeah, ADP. Exactly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, one more debate. We stay at the wide receiver position, and hey, we transition right from Russell Wilson's, hopefully for me, current number one wide receiver to his former number one wide receiver. That is DK Metcalf with Brandon Funston arguing on his behalf against Brandon Cooks and Jake (laughs) taking up the mantle for Brandon Cooks. Surprise, surprise, right? Uh, Jake, your turn to go first. Why Cooks over DK? Mm, Let's go back to that yards per route run. Even with Russell Wilson, and even with Brandon Cooks playing with Trash and then Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks better yards per route run last year, still, even with that situation. I go to Brandon Cooks, who has been proven at this point of his career. Everybody wants to say is Allen Robinson's quarterback proof. Brandon Cooks is the truth of being quarterback proof of what he's been dealing with and all the questions around him last year. Now steps into a situation this year with David Mills' second year, and everybody sat there and said, "Wow, Davis Mills ended up being the best quarterback of all the rookies last year." And I know that's you know kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek statement that people are making out there, but worst-case scenario, you replicate the quarterback play from last year, and Brandon Cooks still becomes Brandon Cooks. We have yet to see a full season of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett of this offense with what we're assuming is going to be trash at quarterback. Like, I don't think anybody out there is saying, wow, Drew Locke and Geno Smith are not much of a downgrade. And I know we've actually had, and I'm sure Fonson will bring this up again, we've had the discussion on this show about what Geno did with Lockett and the fact that he got more targets, but DK was actually more productive and the perception around that. We've already made that discussion on this show. But I'm just looking at the fact of, whether it's Locke, whether it's Geno for a full season, I think is a lot different than Geno coming in for a, f- a couple few games. We know how NFL teams can game plan more when they have an idea of who's that quarterback for the entire year. So I just go to Brandon Cooks as again proven. I, I think it's very simple for me. I know I'm not giving a lot to Brandon Cooks, but top 20 year in and year on 
fantasy, yards per route run, receiving, it doesn't matter, and he's already done it with crap quarterback. We have yet to see DK do it. Yeah, so, yeah, just to reiterate what that was, the four games with Geno, uh, Metcalf caught 19 of 23 of those passes, and Tyler Locke had a lot more uh, targets and way less efficiency and uh, with Geno Smith at quarterback, way less efficiency catching the ball. The catch rate was way lower. Um, we saw the five touchdown catches in four games from uh, DK Metcalf with Geno Smith. And, uh, you know, Geno Smith is trash. But, like, as a, as, a, <laughs> as a thrower, like, is he worse right now than Jalen Hurts? Like, it's... It's at least debatable, and we're we're pushing AJ Brown into the top fifteen of the wide receiver. We're not worried about that. Look, DK Metcalf's twenty four years old. He's ascending. He is not a one trick pony, which a lot of people want to paint him as. Just a deep guy. Go watch him. You can go on YouTube and watch DK Metcalf run routes. He's actually gotten better and better each year, and he's a decently proficient route runner. So I, he's got more to the tree than the nine, you know, the deep ball route, uh, and. I think what we've seen with Brandon Cooks, whether it was Deshaun Watson a couple years ago or Davis Mills last year, is he's about 1,000 to 1,100 yards, six touchdowns both years, 80 to 90 catches. I mean, that's kind of where he is. Can he do better than that this year if John Mechie and Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan kind of come into the equation is not completely just the Brandon Cooks show? Because at some point, they are going to have to develop these other guys. So... I, there could be more hands in play in that Texans offense. Uh, Brandon Cooks is 28 years old. DK Metcalf is 24. I think you look at the Seattle offense. Yeah, they're going to be run heavy, but you know they were only they were 13th in run percentage last year, and Houston was 14th. So we're not talking about a huge difference in the style of offense here. There could be a similar amount of balls in play. You know, it's Tyler Lockett. It's DK Metcalf. There's not a whole lot of other bankable options in that Seattle passing game, and we already know that DK Metcalf was a lot more efficient with Geno Smith at quarterback than Tyler Lockett was. So I think this is close. I, it's fair. I got to understand the DK Metcalf. <laughs> I have him ranked 15th. I have Cooks ranked 20th, but I, I I can see that maybe I have a little bit of Seattle bias baked in. But I still would take DK Metcalf. I think if I'm completely unbiased about my Seahawk fandom. What's your question for me? Because now you, I, I have my question for you. Oh. If you want it first, um, do you want my question first? I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you my question first. It. Just do not it. Not yeah. much. Not much else bankable in the Seahawks passing game. You have Lockett. You can add up every effing Texans player on their team, and they're not going to equate Lockett. How can you say that? Like it's mo- it's more spread out for Brandon Cooks, who, by the way, had more receiving yards. And more receptions than DK Metcalf did last year. Metcalf had the touchdown. So I'm going to give you two questions. Is how you compare Lockett <laughs> to the entire Texans receiving core. And then two, do you really think Metcalf is going to catch 10 plus touchdowns with Locke? And I, I bring up Locke because you talk Geno. What if it's Locke who can't throw the ball accurately? Oh, I mean, I don't think it's going to be Locke. Right now, from all reports, Geno has, has a clear advantage. And they're not splitting number one reps. And Geno Smith is... Okay. is well, run- then still, 10-plus touchdowns with Geno? Well, he did half of it in four games last year. And I know <laughs> there's a regression, but we're talking about 17 games now. We're talking about a guy, DK Metcalf, that's going to want $30-plus million a year after this year. He is. There's no lack of motivation. Um, 
And I'm saying Tyler Lockett is just another year older. He's getting up there. He wasn't as, as efficient with Geno Smith. We don't have to assume that he is going to be the same receiver that he was with Russell Wilson. That We might see Tyler Lockett, and I think we're all seeing him ranked appropriately for that reason. Is he in your top mm-hmm. 40? He's like in your late 30s probably. Yeah. He's in my top 40, but Tyler Lockett last year, 22.16 target percentage. DK Metcalf. 27.2. But if you're Brandon assuming 22.16 target percentage, hold on. you're talking about a top but 15 Brandon Cooks receiver was 25.6. No, no, no. Brandon Cooks is 25.6. Brandon Cooks is not going to lose his 25.6. If you told me Metcalf and Lockett were flatter this year, I'd say that's 10 times more likely than Brandon Cooks even dropping to 25.5. That's uh, what I'm but saying. But what I'm saying, I'm baking in the fact that I still think DK Metcalf is a 10 touchdown receiver. And okay. And I, and I mean, that's, I think that's a that's ginormous question. Four to five more than than Brandon Cooks is likely to score, and that's that's something. And I do think that we're going to see a bit of a changing of the guard as who the go to wide receiver is in the Seattle offense. Um, Which, by the way, even with double digit tu- or twice as many touchdowns, it was still only a half point per game better. DK Metcalf was than Brandon Cooks. But ask your question to me. Uh, you didn't ask well, me a question. I, well, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of stepped on my own que- uh, my own question to you because I was like, what. What happens if John Mechie and Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan all do the things like you have Brevin Jordan as a, as a big time sleeper? You have, uh, yes. you've, you've mentioned Nico Collins as a potential thing, and we all know that John Mechie's been no. called by some people one of the best route runners in this class. So, so what if what if those guys <laughs> develop in in a quick way and become part of this equation? Even if they did, uh, for, and, and I say sleeper for Brevin Jordan because it's a tight end position. I still only have him for 85 targets. I have Nico Collins for 75. I have John Mechie for 88. Again, that's those are all enormous step forwards and a great rookie season for John Mechie. That still checks in at 23% for Brandon Cooks. That I even dropped him three almost percentage points, and I just said I don't see that happening. But again, projections are inherently conservative when you're talking about a balance of an offense. But even with that, Brandon Cook still checks in just ahead of DK Metcalf. Uh, so I just, I time and again, quarterback proof, I just don't see how it's changing this year. And if you want to be optimistic about all three of them, I still don't think it dings Brandon Cooks. Man, you guys, I mean, that is, I'm supposed to weigh in with a little bit, and I do have Brandon Cooks a couple of spots ahead of DK Metcalf, but that is what debates are made of. That's why we do these episodes. That's why we break confused. it all down. <laughs> and so now I'm not, well, no, it's great. You guys back and forth, both presenting coherent, cogent arguments. It's great. It's exactly why we want to get into these episodes as we're preparing for draft season. So to use that same phrase Funston just used, I'm not going to step in that debate. I'm just going to let it live as is and wrap up this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us. That'll do it for this week for us. We're back at you with a couple more episodes in a i guess in five days the first of those two episodes will be back with you in five days so get ready for it we can't wait to bring them to you have yourselves a great weekend and we'll talk to you soon